welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening service of Sunday the 25th of April 2010, entitled, Go and Do Likewise, and the Bible reading is taken from Luke chapter 10, verses 25 to 37. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. All right, let me invite you to open your Bibles for our scripture reading this evening to the Gospel of Luke chapter 10. We're going to begin reading in verse 25 and read down through verse 37. I invite you to stand to honor the reading of God's holy word, beginning in Luke chapter 10 and verse 25. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? He answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul, with all thy strength and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. He said unto him, Thou hast answered right. This do, and thou shalt live. But he willing to be willing to justify himself said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus answering said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. By chance there came down a certain priest that way. When he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him, and went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. On the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence, and gave them to the host, said unto him, Take care of him. Whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, He that showed mercy on me. Then said Jesus unto him, Go and do thou likewise. Father, We thank you so much, Lord, as we have this privilege to look into your word again this evening. Father, we do pray that you would take these next moments, that you would undergird, that you would anoint, that you would, Lord, bring to mind the words that need to be spoken here this evening, and may they go forth under your power and not the the, the man that is standing here. Father, we pray that each and every one of our hearts might gain something from your word this evening that would help us, Lord, to leave here this evening in some way more like our Savior than when we came. For it's in His name we pray. Amen and amen. Of course, if your Bible also has those uh, uninspired parts in it, (laughs) that are the titles to the different sections, you know, that to go down, those weren't uh, part of the, uh, the original writings. But in many of your Bibles, this would probably be titled The Parable of the Good Samaritan. And, of course, it is a very familiar story to uh, most of us that have 
uh, read God's Word and, and been in it for very long. And of course, it's even one that is often taught to the, to the Sunday school children because there's some good moral lessons on, on living that can be found in it and whatnot. But I want us to look this evening, and sometimes as this story is told and as it's looked at, it's overlooked the exact context of how this passage is being given to us. Now, if you were to back up, you'd find in the previous chapter in, in, in the Gospel of Luke here, you'd find that uh, Jesus has just come through the, the transfiguration. And of course, we find that uh, he's done some, some, some teaching and whatnot. And we find that as we get into to chapter 10, it's when that, uh, that Jesus has appointed another 70 followers to, uh, to go out into the, into the cities and the towns all about uh, uh, ahead of him and to, to take the news to them. And of course, they have gone out, and it's, it's interesting the, uh, the way that he sent them out. If you notice there in verse 1, after these things, the Lord appointed other 70 also and sent them two and two before his face, and to sent them two and two before his face into every city and place, whether he himself would come. Therefore said he unto them, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. Go your ways. Behold, I send you forth as lambs among wolves. Carry neither purse, nor scrip, nor shoes, and salute no man by the way. That's interesting here. First of all, these 70 that he's sending them out, He's not really making them sound like that uh, they're going to be the most popular people in town. Matter of fact, he's telling them that they're literally going to be like sheep among those wolves out there. And he tells them not to worry about taking their personal belongings with them. He goes on and he says to them here in verse 5, And into whatsoever house ye enter, first say, Peace be to this house. Go to them, trying to take to them a message of peace. And if the Son of Peace be there, your peace shall rest upon it. If not, it shall turn to you again. And in the same house remain, eating and drinking such things as they give, for the laborer is worthy of his hire. Go not from house to house. And into whatsoever city ye enter, and they receive you, eat such things as are set before you. And heal the sick that are therein, and say unto them, The kingdom of God is come nigh unto you. But into whatsoever city ye enter, and they receive you not, go your ways out into the street of the same, and say, Even the very dust of your city, which cleaveth on us, we wipe off against you, notwithstanding, be ye sure of this, that the kingdom of God is come nigh unto you. But I say unto you, that it shall be more tolerable in that day for Sodom than for that city. So understand here, first of all, that this parable is being told in the context of this 70 that the Lord has sent out to minister into these cities. And he's told them as they go that it's not going to be easy. They're going to be like sheeps among the wolves. And that they need to leave behind all their belongings, their personal possessions. Those things are important. And when they enter into the homes, they should take gratefully that which is being given to them. But of course, by the same token, he says that it's going to be a blessing upon those who will receive them when they go there. But there's also going to be those that want nothing whatsoever to do with them, that are going to reject them. And of course, he says, well, you can't do anything about that. You know, God doesn't hold us responsible for whether another person receives or rejects the message that is being given to them. It's God's Word. 
It's only God that can do the work. It's only the power of the Holy Spirit that can do the work in the life. We are an instrument in His hand. That's the way that God has chosen. And what a privilege it is to have any part in the coming of anyone else coming to see the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. Any part whatsoever, all the glory in the end goes to Him. What a privilege. Whether you're the one that's doing the sowing, or you're the one that's doing the watering, or whether you happen to be one that's there when the, when the harvest is brought in, it's all of God anyway, and it's not important what part we have to play. And he says, some people are going to be receptive, but others are going to reject you. But of course, the truth is, we're not responsible. Go on. You know, I believe that this is when he sends them out two by two, we find in another place that he talks about sending them unto them that are worthy. Now, what in the world? How in the world? None of us are worthy of anything. We find, you know, that all of our righteousness are as filthy rags. What in the world could the Lord be talking about there? The truth is, is there are those, just as we see in this account here, those that will be receptive and those that will not. We don't know who they are, but God does. How often do we go out in our own strength with good intentions, trying to do the work of God, and yet we haven't really sought on our knees and our face before God first where God wants us to be, what door He wants us to be on, what person He wants us to be witnessing to, because He knows those that will be receptive and those that, that won't. We have nothing whatsoever to do with that. So we see in this context, I mean, there's a, he says that there's a big harvest out there, but there aren't many laborers in that harvest, and that we ought to be praying that He would send forth laborers into His harvest. And so we find on the one hand that this context is being given with the Lord sending those out to accomplish His work in these, in these cities. And of course, He goes on and He talks about the judgment that will be upon those cities. And of course, these 70 return and they come back and they're, they're telling the Lord the things that they face. But then I want us to jump down to where we pick up in verse 25 and notice here. Notice what's taking place. These 70 come back and they're, they're reporting to Him. And then He says, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Does he really want to know how to be saved? No. He stood up tempting him. It wasn't something that was genuinely coming from his heart. He had ulterior motives here. He had some other purpose in mind. We find that he asked this question. Well, notice what Jesus says. What shall I do to inherit eternal life? What does Jesus say? And he said unto him, Thou hast, I'm sorry, in verse 20, and he said unto him, What is written in the law? What readest thou? We've sung about it. We've talked about it so many times. It's not man's words that will save a soul. It's God's word. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. All the sad sob stories in the world, you might get people to to, to quiver and to shake out of fear for some stories that you can tell them. You might get them to weep and to cry. You might get them to, to say some formula of prayers or whatever, but that's never, ever saved a soul, and it never will. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. You see, we find that these were responsible for taking God's words. This one, tempting the Lord. What must I do to inherit eternal life? What does Jesus point him to? <laughs> He points him to the Word. What does God say? What does the Word say? And so he answers him, and he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy strength and with all thy mind and thy neighbor as thyself. And boy, could we spend a long time there on all that that really means. 
in loving the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. How much of our heart, how much of our, of our soul, how much of our mind does the Lord really get? But we find that he gives him a quick answer. Yes. He said unto him, Thou hast answered right. This do, and thou shalt live. You answered right. If you truly can love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself, he's not talking about a work salvation here. He's talking about something, that transformation that takes place in the heart that only God can do. It's not possible for the flesh to love God with all of his heart, with all of his mind, with all of his soul, with any of those things. It's impossible. It's only when God takes up residence within us that that even becomes a possibility, and it's not possible in the flesh. No matter how much that you might wish that it were to love your neighbor as yourself. Well, this lawyer, this educated, intellectual man. You know, he wasn't to finish, but he willing to justify himself. You know, he's trying to find an excuse for himself. Said unto Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And so, in fact, when we look at this passage known as the Good Samaritan, we see when we really look at it in its context, on the one hand, it's tied in with Jesus Christ himself sending his disciples out two by two into the cities and the towns to take the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ to them. His disciples that he's sending out, that he's chosen to do that work. Not an easy work. Some will receive it, some will reject it, but they're to be faithful in giving that word. We find that it's given in that context that the harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are few. We find it's given in the context, if you're here this evening and you've never inherited eternal life, it's given in the context of how can I have eternal life. What I want you to realize this evening is that this message of the Good Samaritan has something for each and every human being here this evening. If you're here and you're a child of God, then my main focus this evening is a message to you as Christians, those that belong to the Lord. But I want you to recognize and understand that this is only possible through inheriting that eternal life that can only give, be given to you by the work of God in your life and your heart. And it's given in the context, it's for you if you're lost this evening, but it's given in the context of each and every one of us as believers in our service for the Lord. Do we really? Does God really have all of our heart, all of our soul? all of our mind? Does God really have all of us? Because that's what he said was required. And the loving our neighbor as ourselves, the, the, the story of the good Samaritan is Jesus telling a story to leave absolutely no question and who it is that we are to love as ourselves, as a child of God, as one of his. So we find that as he looks here, that notice what it says down in, in verse 36, which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell amongst the thieves? Jesus asked 
this lawyer, this question. Which of these three that I've just told you about in this story, which of them is the neighbor? And he said, he that showed mercy on him. Then said Jesus unto him, go and do thou likewise. You see, that was the message of the Lord Jesus Christ to each and every one of us. Go and do thou likewise. Like what? Like we see that is taking place here with this good Samaritan. Do thou likewise. Each and every one of us here this evening, that's the command to do likewise, to do what Jesus is showing us and teaching us here in this parable. You see, the first thing that I want you to see here, and we notice it really in verse 30 to 33, we see it in all three of these that is being given in comparison. He said, first of all, in Jesus answering, said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. So here's this man that's gone out. Now you can look at it in a physical sense. He was in pretty bad shape. I mean, the Bible says they'd beat him half dead and they'd, they'd taken everything from him, even the, even the clothing off of his back. But we can also see that just as clearly. You and I, around us, all over. The Bible, time and time again, uses these physical things to show us the spiritual condition of the people around us. I'm saying that you will meet people tomorrow and the next day and this week and next week. You'll continue to meet people that have been beaten down by this world, that have been stripped down by this world, that have had everything taken from them that's important, and they're there and they're left half dead. They have absolutely. No possibility of doing anything for themselves. We find that the first one here, he says in verse 31, and by chance there came down a certain priest. Now, what's a priest? <laughs> I mean, this was, this was the one that was supposed to be a representative of God, right? Under the law, he was, he was the representative of God. Today, he, you might, you know, put in there, you know, the priest or the pastor, that, that one that's, that's supposed to be speaking for God for him. This priest comes by. And notice what it says, and he did what? He saw him. This priest comes by. There is absolutely no question that he sees the condition of this man that is laying there, half dead, that's been stripped, that's had everything taken from him. Notice what he says in the next verse. And likewise a Levite. <laughs> Who was the Levite? Well, that was just, you know, I guess in our context today in our church, that would be the, the elders and the deacons, those leaders that are there to help the pastor. These were supposed to be the spiritual leaders. It says, when he was at the place, came and did what? Looked on him. Then notice what it says in verse 33, but a certain Samaritan. Now, in the first place, it was a very unusual occasion for a Samaritan to even be on that road. This was not the place for a Samaritan to be. This was a place where his own life would have been in his hands. And he was certainly one that was looked upon by most people in his day, literally as a half-caste, as a half-breed, as somebody that nobody wanted anything to do with. The Jews didn't want anything to do with him. The Gentiles didn't. This Samaritan, who in their society, in their opinion, would have been a nobody, was in a place that he ought not to have been. 
And this certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him. Folks, the very first thing, that if we're to follow the command of the Lord Jesus Christ, the very first thing is we must see the condition of those around us. All three of these, the first thing that they did when they came by, the first thing that you're going to do when you walk through life, you cannot go through life and not see the condition of those around us. But the problem is, when we see with our eyes, what happens then? Because there was something very different here. The priest, when he saw him, the Bible says he passed by on the other side. He sees this one laying there. He knows. He knows that he's in bad shape. But, you know, he literally, have you ever seen somebody, have you ever maybe, and I don't, I don't want to embarrass have you ever met one of those people on the street? Probably hadn't had a bath in a good while. <laughs> it was obvious, you know, that they probably hadn't had a meal in, in, in a good while or whatever. And so many times, what's the easiest thing to do is to kind of cross over and not even look at them. <laughs> Pass by on the other side. Pass by on the other side. The problem is so many times, folks, it goes beyond that even. You see, we live in a day when so many people that are just as hurting spiritually in just as bad a condition, and yet those come by just like this priest that is supposed to be a spiritual leader, and yet he doesn't want to get involved with those people with all their problems and all the time that it's going to take and all the money that it's going to cost. He doesn't want to get involved. He saw him. He saw the condition that he was in, but he chose to pass by on the other side and not get involved. The Levite saw his condition as well. And likewise, a Levite, when he was at that place, came and looked on him. What did he do? Pass by on the other side. Pass by on the other side, just as surely. Here we go. But notice the Samaritan. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. He had compassion. You see, we must see the condition but we must have a sense of compassion. We must have a sense of compassion. The one thing that was different about this Samaritan to the others was that he had compassion on him. Now, you look back, and I didn't write it down, and I think that, uh, that I know about where it's at. If you look back in your Bibles to uh, Matthew, Matthew chapter 9, and Jesus, this, this is verse 35, and Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Do you notice anything similar there? He sent out the 70 into all the cities. Here is Jesus himself. He went out into all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitude, notice these words, he was moved with compassion on them. 
because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Do you think that these two passages maybe have some connection with each other? Do you think that maybe what Jesus is really telling us in the parable of the Good Samaritan is that we ought to be feeling about those around us like he feels about them? This word that's translated compassion here, and I'm not even going to give you the pleasure of hearing me try to pronounce it in its original. It's some 14 letters that you wouldn't be able to say it two seconds after I tried to say it anyway. But it's a very interesting word. It's most common use in the New Testament. And it's translated compassion. Here in this one place, in Luke chapter 10, it's used as the way that a person should feel about someone else that is hurting. You see, it's interesting. I know that you've heard some terms and you can even read in some of these great theological books that some people that really don't believe in verbal inspiration, that believes that every word of God is inspired as we do. They believe that the writers actually made a mistake here. That wasn't the word that they really meant to use. Because the word here that's translated compassion in your Bible, in some 14 places, is generally used of God and what He's feeling towards people, and it's what happened just before Jesus did something like healing someone. He had compassion on them. He Something that happened within him that brought an action about that he did something about it. Do you know what the word really is? Intestines. <laughs> Have you ever heard us sometimes talk about people when we talk about courage, somebody having the guts to do something? We don't want to talk about God like that. <laughs> but you see, this is really talking about the bowels yearning out. And this is, this is the word that's translated here as, as compassion. In other words, when Jesus looked on them, it means he hurt down deep inside himself. It's not just some little crocodile tear that, that rolled down his face. It's not just some token gift to do something. There was something that took place in him that brought about an action that he did something about it because he hurt down in his bowels and his intestines within him. He hurt for these people. That was the difference. This priest and this Levite, with all of their theological genius and all of their religion, they didn't want to get involved. But this quote-unquote nobody comes down that shouldn't even be there. He saw their need just like them, but something happened within him. He felt, he was moved by this compassion. He was moved from within him to do something for this one. I'm saying to you today, folks, I'm afraid that as Christians, we're so settled in our little Christian lives just like the priest and the Levite were, that we just want to go by on the other side and, and let God do His work and let Him use somebody else to do it. But I'm saying this evening, God has given us this, and Jesus says we are to go and to do likewise. What? Like the third one? Not just see them and pass by and not get involved, but we ought to be hurting down deep inside ourselves. We ought to be getting that that gut-sharp pain. 
that something's got to be done, that we've got to do something. Have you ever seen something that moved you so much that there wasn't even the choice or the option? You had to do something. That's what we see here. I don't have time to see, but you can look it down. I think it's like 14 times that the word is used, and it always brings about an action. And most all the times it's used of the Lord Jesus Christ before he does something for someone. It's what happened inside of him. And that's what he's saying. Folks, we're to be like this third one. We need to open our eyes and see the condition that is around us. But we need a sense of compassion as this Samaritan did, as we see the Lord Jesus Christ did time and time and time again. Because you see, that's what brought about the difference. Because in verse 34, the action that's taking place then came from the Samaritan that was moved with compassion. Not from the priest and the Levites. They had all the opportunity and the ability and the know-how, but chose not to get involved. Because you see, it says here that this one, the very first words in verse 34, and went to him. The others all went the other way. <laughs> but because of what this one felt inside him, the Bible says he went to him. He saw the condition. He had a sense of compassion. But we see here that we need to seek. And you can say it the British or the American way, to contribute or to contribute. I don't care which way. It means the same thing. You see, the truth is, too many people can see with their eyes but they haven't felt with their heart, or more appropriately, they haven't felt in their bowels, in their deeper, innermost part. There's been nothing there. We find that this one did, though, and it brings about a reaction. It'll bring about an action. See, most of the time we're not involved. Whether it's winning the lost in our city or to the other end of the world, we're not involved because we don't feel what Jesus and what this Samaritan felt for them. It was the compassion that moved them to go to them, to contribute of themselves. You see, the priest, the Levite, simply chose not to get involved, to pass by on the other side. Many today choose not to get involved, just to pass by on the other side, if a person looks with their eyes but doesn't have this compassion in their innermost being, it's a whole lot easier just to pass by and not do anything about it and just get on with the job and do another day at the work and fill another uh, day with all the things that have to be done around the house and all those things and not get involved with those people around us that are beaten and half dead and cannot and never will be able to do anything for themselves because it's only the Lord that can do it for them. You see, you see something else here. Notice in verse 34 that he opened his eyes and saw the condition. He opened his heart with a sense of compassion, but then he opened his arms and sought to contribute, to contribute, to do something. He didn't just see it hurt. He wanted to do something for him. Verse 34 goes on, And went to him and bound up his wounds and pouring in oil and wine and set him on his own beast and brought him to an inn 
and took care of him. We need to see the condition. We need to do it with a sense of compassion. We need to seek to contribute. But we need to show our concern. You see, it's all too possible to carry through with these first three to see it, to even feel something, and to have a desire to seek to contribute. But the fourth is where the leather hits the road. It's the showing. It's the action. It's the doing, if you would. Once he saw the need, and he felt with the same feelings, and you know this word compassion, and you'll notice as we get later down in here that it was him that showed mercy. <laughs> the word compassion and mercy here are tied so close together that they're almost indistinguishable. We find that it's the compassion that brings about the merciful act. But this one, he did something. He saw, he sensed, he saw, and now he's willing to show. When he got to the man, he immediately, if you would, in everyday lingo, it was time to strip off the coat and roll up the sleeves. It was time to get down there and to do whatever needed to be done to get this job accomplished. The action followed through. Notice, interestingly, in verse 34, he's doing everything that he can that is within his beings and possibilities. But then notice what happens in verse 35. And on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, whatever it costs, when I come again, I will repay thee. He saw the condition. He had a sense of compassion. He sought to contribute. There was a show of his concern. But we see fifthly here that we need to share in the care. You know, that's why we can do it together. That's what a church is all about. It's a called out body of people. They can meet in all kinds of buildings and all kinds of places. They can be hired or bought. They can be brick and mortar. They can be canvas. They can be a thatched roof with no sides at all. It doesn't make any difference where they're meeting. It's God's people that are tied together, that are bonded together, that have covenanted together with a, with a common belief, a common faith. After doing everything that he possibly could, this Samaritan, having taken him to this end, when it came time for him to leave the next day, he took out of his own finances. And, and by the way, you know, huh, that wasn't very much, was it? Two pence. Two pence. I'll give two pence. I'll give two pence to the beggar on the street. Two pence. But of course, two pence, their money in that days was probably an average of about two days' wages. It wasn't just peanuts. It was a significant amount of money that he left to make sure that this one was cared for. But he didn't just stop there. He gave him what he thought would cover it. But he said, regardless, regardless of what it takes, regardless of how long it takes, regardless of how much it costs, I want these needs met. Together, we can do it. You can't win the whole world yourself. You can't meet everybody's needs yourself. 
But we need to do our part, everything that we can. That's only going to happen when we begin to see the condition around us and feel about it. You know, the first thing, many times we're praying, well, God, what do you want me to do and where do you want me to go? I'm saying this evening, maybe the first thing that we need to be praying for is God to help me to feel what you feel. Help me to love these people like you love them. Help me to be concerned about them like you are. And then, from that, allow the action to come forth that we're willing to do everything within our power and not just what we can do, but what we can do together. Jesus is the one. He said, open your eyes and look around. He said, the, the harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray. Pray that laborers might be sent forth. Folks, the work that needs to be accomplished in this world is phenomenal. It's beyond our imagination. And you know, I've said it so many times. God has you here for a reason. For such a time as this, God has you here. Who is it for? These things are all around us. Which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, he that showed mercy on him. Then said Jesus unto him, go and do thou likewise. Now, I don't, I don't want to overstate this because folks never, in even the slightest way, nothing you do, no work you perform, you can't help enough people, you can't do enough things to ever make you a Christian. When he said, go and do thou likewise, he's not saying go and do this to become a Christian. In every case, in this case, this one that felt was feeling what Jesus felt. This is what we need to feel because Jesus lives within us. This is the work that ought to come from a true believer's heart. He ought to be feeling about those around him that does not know the Lord Jesus Christ. He ought to have the compassion for them that Jesus Christ has for them. And that compassion ought to be so strong that it naturally brings forth the reaction that we want to do something and do everything and we don't just want to, but we get out there and we do it because we can't help but do it. Go and do thou likewise. Will we love our neighbors as ourselves, really? Will we be a real neighbor? I'm talking about to those that are naked and wounded and destitute and hurting and half dead, those that can't do anything for you in return, <laughs> those that can't possibly help the offering bags to be fuller when they're passed around on Sunday, those that are there helpless, not able to help themselves, will we truly love them as ourselves? Will we love them as this Samaritan did, which is the example that's given us of feeling what the Lord Jesus Christ did, will we be the one that shows the mercy? Will we be willing to go and do likewise as this Samaritan? To see the condition 
of the wounded world around us. To have a sense of compassion for each and every one of them, regardless of where they come from and what they are in this world. To seek to contribute as we go to them and as we get involved, to show our concern by by getting busy and actually doing something about it and doing the job as a hand and showing it by our actions and to share in the care as we work together to do our part to minister to the needs of those around us. You see, we all have people around us that we care for. We all have people around us that if there was something, if God had done it differently, if there was something that we could do that would make them become a Christian, we would do it. But there's nothing we can do. But there is something that we can be a part of. We can't make them a Christian. But there are so many around us that have the needs. We need to allow Christ. Christ was the one that always performed the miracles. He was the only one that could help the wounded. He was the only one that could could really meet their needs. Yes, he did that through some of his apostles and some of these 70. He's still the only one today that can do the work. Whatever the hurting might be, whatever the need might be, Jesus is able to meet it. Father, we thank you this evening, and Lord, we know that we've skipped over a lot of things here, but Father, as we are looked and reminded from this passage, Lord, I pray that you would, first of all, Lord, if there be those here tonight that are just as this wounded man here, the world has beaten them down and the world has maybe robbed them and taken that which they have, and Lord, spiritually they're completely bankrupt. But Father, I pray today that as they lay unable to help themselves, I pray, Lord, that we would not act as the priest and the Levite that just walked by on the other side and chose not to get involved. Oh, but I pray, Lord, I know that, I know that you said here it's not an easy thing. It's like sheep amongst the wolves. There's going to be rejection. We know that, Lord, that sometimes it may cost us something, and it's not enjoyable to, to hurt. But, Lord, this was a compassion that caused this one to hurt because of what he saw. I pray, Lord, that you would give us that kind of deep-down compassion within us. Help us, Lord, to hurt down in our intestines. Help us to hurt in such a way that action has to come from it, that we would do everything that we possibly can, that we realize that the only way that anything is going to be accomplished through us is, is through the Lord Jesus Christ that lives within us. But may we be willing to give ourselves to that cause. Lord, may we together, Lord, as individuals here this evening, Lord, as a local church, Lord, even as local churches around the globe, can sometimes work together, Lord, to see your work accomplished, especially in this matter, Lord, of being able to take care of meeting the finances just as this one did here, of others being able to go to other parts of the world and meet those needs. Father, would you speak to hearts here this evening, to those that need the help and those that need to be giving the help. Father, could we just simply in some way, truly, genuinely leave here tonight more like you, feeling about the world around us the way that you feel? 
Lord, being an instrument in your hands to do whatever you would choose to, to do with. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.